Well, it's Christmas Eve. I am sure you all have a very busy afternoon ahead of you. We will try and finish early, just to give you a bit more time. I say try, you, you, you know me. You know, as I was praying and wondering what to share about this morning, I was asking this question, what could I say that could make tomorrow better for everyone? Because it's not like I can speak into the busyness of the past few weeks or your plans for Christmas because that's already in place. That's already done. It's not like I could encourage you to come to church on Christmas Eve because that decision's already been made. <laughs> so here's what I want to share this morning. I want you to all just to close your eyes for a moment and picture your perfect Christmas. The perfect day. Whatever that means to you. Every little thing going right. Every gift lighting up every face, every time. Skin of the turkey, perfectly crisp. While the inside is delightful, moist, and I'm getting hungry. I don't know, whatever it is to you. Okay, you can open your eyes. I hope you enjoyed that because it's not going to be like that tomorrow. <laughs> The perfect day probably doesn't exist. But you know what? That's okay. Let's take the pressure off having the perfect day. Here's a thought for you for tomorrow. Enjoy it. Have a good time. Whoever you're with, enjoy the time you spend in their company. And be delighted that Jesus came to earth. And if it's not all perfect, don't worry about it. You know, last year we had our, I agree. We had our first Christmas in our new house and I was so excited, my new kitchen. I was gonna cook the perfect leg of lamb. And I misread the instructions. I knew an hour was too short, I knew it. And it was, it was cooked on the outside. It was so raw. It was so raw. I had to pan fry it, and it went tough as old boots. But you know what? Big deal. I mean, obviously, I've still not got over that, but... Um, but here's the thing I've realized about Christmas. As long as you are true to your faith, as long as you're true to God, there's no right way to celebrate Christmas, and that's okay. What do I mean? Well, first of all, Christmas is not a biblical feast. You know, the Jewish people were commanded in Scripture to keep feasts, seven of them, and there were specific ways to do it. They were very structured. But they had other feasts in Israel at the time that were not scriptural commands. They had Hanukkah, the festival of lights. This was never commanded by God. 
It was a remembrance of things that took place when the temple was restored and the Maccabees became kings. After the Old Testament was written, it wasn't commanded. You know, Jesus attended and celebrated Hanukkah. In John 10, we read he is at the feast, the festival of lights. In fact, it may be at the festival of lights that Jesus actually said, I am the light of the world. He always knows how to link things in, doesn't he? Yeah. In John 5, we see that Jesus attended the feast of Purim. That's the one where they remember Esther and the time that the Jewish people were saved from near destruction. It wasn't a command. There was never a rule in scripture to keep it. But Jesus celebrated it. Let's, Jesus celebrates both of these. Let's not call them feasts. Let's call them cultural celebrations. Where am I going with this? Jesus celebrated cultural celebrations that were not commanded in scripture. So even though Christmas isn't commanded by scripture, it's totally okay for us to enjoy Christmas too. Even if it's become this worldwide different thing. It's okay that I am wearing snowflakes on my first ever Christmas jumper. <laughs> and boy, I can feel the polyester. <laughs> snowflakes have got nothing to do with the birth of Jesus. Nothing. It looks nice. It's okay. It's fine. You see, Christmas is not a command. Christmas is not a requirement. God never asks us to celebrate it. There is no scripture. You will not find one that says keep Christmas. Nothing. In fact, the early church didn't do it. Because birthdays weren't a thing back then. No wonder we don't know when it happened. We don't have to do this. The reality that Jesus was born a baby, born of a virgin, laid in a manger, this isn't something we just remember at Christmas. This is something that impacts us every day. I find it a shame. We know we've read all of the traditional Christmas scriptures this morning. It's a shame they very rarely get read in church any other time of the year. You know, all of the things we do at Christmas, every single one of them, not one of them is a command. Now that takes the pressure off, I think. Christmas is not a command. It's a pleasure. With Christmas, there's no commands. So that, therefore, all we have at Christmas time is traditions. That's it. And the good thing about traditions is you can do the ones you like. The ones you don't like, you don't have to do. And if you want to invent new ones, like Christmas jumpers. Man, you wouldn't have seen these in church years ago. Now, I mean, it's like, it's a sea of color out there. <laughs> Incidentally, I love the two snowmen ones together. They're great. Christmas cards, they were invented by Sir Henry Cole in 
1943. Why? Because he was involved in setting up the post office. And they had a quandary. How do we encourage ordinary people to use the post office? They don't use it. It only seems to be rich people who are using it. So he thought, well, Christmas cards. That'll get people using the post office. That's how they started. As printing methods improved, Christmas cards became more and more popular. And from about 1860, that's when they started being made in large numbers. So it's only 157 years ago. I was going to say that. I was going to pick on somebody old, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> that means 93% of the Christmases that have ever been, people did not send Christmas cards. The first ones usually had pictures of nativity scenes on them. Then in late Victorian times, snow scenes became popular, possibly because they reminded people of a very bad winter that happened in the UK in 1836. That became the idea, and then once we started putting them on Christmas cards, we started romanticising the idea of a white Christmas. Believe me, before then, you did not want a white Christmas. No. <laughs> because it would probably kill you. You know the leading cause of death back then? January. Sorry. <laughs> cards started because somebody wanted ordinary people to use the post office. So do you know what? If you don't want to send Christmas cards, you don't have to. It's okay. It's fine. I, I haven't sent a Christmas card in years. If you've got one from us, it wasn't from me. <laughs> it's liberating. I recommend it, I tell you. But that, that said, if you like sending them and you like getting them, that's okay too. Christmas trees. Are they nice? Or are they a pagan remnant? Well, yes, pagans used to bring in oak trees to protect them from evil spirits. Called it Odin's Oak. But the Christmas tree came around because in the 8th century, a missionary used a fir tree to say, how about we put the focus on Jesus instead of Odin? So some people get very angry about Christmas trees. I think I'd rather people were thinking about Jesus than Odin. So I think that's a win. But they didn't even arrive in this country until Victorian times. They've only been in this country less than 200 years. Less than 10% of the time since the birth of Jesus. So you know what? If you don't want a Christmas tree, you don't have to have one. It's fine. Nativity plays. 700 years ago, St. Francis of Assisi used the nativity play to explain the events of Christmas to people who couldn't read. It's a good idea. They couldn't read the scriptures, so he, instead of just reading it out, he wanted them to engage with it, so they acted it out. But it wasn't children doing the roles. By the way, didn't they do great last week? Yes. It was monks. That's a bit less cute. Unless they were cute monks, that's, that's fair. <laughs> and it caught on. 
more and more. It became more popular. And then they started introducing songs, which became the very first Christmas carols. Remember at this time, they weren't even singing in church. Music wasn't a thing that happened in church back then. Interestingly, the nativity play is what gives us a lot of our wrong images of the birth of Jesus. Like Mary on a donkey, or the wise men arriving at the manger on that same night. They come through the simplicity of the nativity story, even though they're not accurate. But the reason for using nativity stories today is exactly the same as when St. Francis of Assisi first did it. It's a great way to explain what happened to people who don't know. You know, that's not gone away. In fact, today, it's even more of an unknown story. You know, you ask some kids, what's Christmas about? What's the birth of Santa Claus? It's a much more unknown story. So there's great value in doing nativity plays. But you know what? If you don't like them, that's okay. It's not a command. It's just a good gospel to them. Okay. I'm going to tread on eggshells now. <laughs> Gifts. For some, the link is the Magi, the wise men who brought gifts to, for Jesus, and we carry a tradition on. But for some, it is connected with St. Nicholas and his charitable gift he gave to some poor women who needed help. St. Nicholas's feast day was actually December 6th, and over time, it merged with Christmas. Actually, Martin Luther was quite involved in that. He, he, they did this whole thing where they, they, have anyone heard of the Christkindle, which became Christingle, and also where we get the term Chris Kringle. He wanted to put the focus back on Jesus, so he invented this little story that it's the, the baby Jesus who brings gifts. I don't know how that works logistically, but that's when gifts at Christmas time became a thing, because it used to be a December the 6th thing. And then over time, St. Nicholas did a little moving along, and the two things got merged. Now, I could go on a Santa Claus rant this morning, I'm not going to. We live, though, in a very consumeristic world. The buying and giving of gifts. It's not a surprise it has such a power over people, because we're trained from a very, very early age to be consumers. But you know what, let's not malign St. Nick for that. It's not his fault. St. Nicholas was a noble and faithful Christian. And for me, he gets extra points because he did this. Once at a church council meeting, the heretic, Arius, was trying to spread his false teaching that Jesus was not divine in nature. And St. Nicholas got up and punched him. <laughs> Deck the halls <laughs> and heretics. <laughs> so, you know, let's give St. Nicholas some credit. Advent, the four Sundays leading up to Christmas, comes along in the fourth century when monks would fast in the weeks leading up to Christmas. So, kind of the opposite of getting a chocolate every day in the lead up to Christmas. Sprouts! There's no good reason for those at all. <laughs> no, actually, 
They are best harvested after the first frost. So they were in abundant supply at Christmas time. But you know what? If you don't want sprouts on your Christmas dinner, then I stand by your right to do that. <laughs> Remember that. <laughs> Turkey. That was only popularized by King Edward. So that's pretty recent. And for farmers, it worked out well because it didn't mean they have to kill as many cows and um, sheep. Because you can get milk from cows, you can get wool from sheep, you don't get much from a turkey. <laughs> oh, what about this one? Going to church on Christmas Day. <laughs> you know, it's often helpful to look back at the early church. They set the model, they walked with Jesus, they are the ones who took the gospel out. And what do we see in the early church? Nothing. Nothing. First of all, we don't know the exact date Jesus was born. That's been well established. Many people will tell you as much. I am sure somebody at some point already this year said to you when you've mentioned get being excited for Christmas, you're going to go to church Christmas Eve to go. Well, actually, I don't know if you knew this, but um, Jesus wasn't born at Christmas Day, actually. They do it in that sort of mocking, like they know, they know we know that. We're not stupid. They will say, actually, uh, Jesus was more likely born in March. They only say that because they've read it online. Therefore, if they've read it online, it must be true. Those who see March will say that because the shepherds were out in the fields and that's something that happens in the spring. Fair point. But actually, in Bethlehem, that wasn't the case. Because the sheep that were raised in Bethlehem were the sheep bred for temple sacrifices. They were important sheep. And the shepherds were out in the fields with them all year round. So actually the shepherds don't give us any clues. When the date for Christmas was set, when we decided on December 25th, nobody knew the original date. But today, we actually have research tools that were not available in the past. We have better research tools that have ever been available, and we can take a good guess. The likelihood is that Jesus was born in September, probably at the Feast of Trumpets or the Day of Atonement, between the 11th and the 29th of September, 3 BC. So if anybody gives you an actually, you can go, well, actually. Some say it's 4 BC because they get the wrong eclipse at Herod's death. Some say 6 AD because they get the wrong sentence, but no, it's 3 BC. The visit of the Magi or the wise men was about a year and a little bit after and could have been around about the end of December, 2 BC. May actually have been around the 25th of December, 2 BC. We know that because we can look back at what the stars were like on that very night. We can track the star of Bethlehem and we can see what it was doing at the time. And the death of Herod was about a month after that on January the 28th, 1 BC, when Jesus was about one year and four months old. It's interesting, that gives us a good reason to celebrate something on the 25th of December. But I think that's more by accident. So why did we not know the dates for most of church history? Well, the early church was Jewish, and Jewish people did not celebrate their birthday. 
Jewish historian Josephus, he, he says this, Nay, indeed, the law does not permit us to make festivals at the birth of our children and thereby afford occasion of drinking to excess. <laughs> so he's saying, we didn't do birthdays because people would just use it as an excuse to get drunk. Hmm, <laughs> might have something there. <laughs> So we go right back to the early church. Christmas just didn't exist. They were more concerned with the second coming of Jesus than looking back to the day of his first. In fact, the word Advent originally meant waiting for the second coming. It was in around 4 BC. No, that would be wrong. It would be about four centuries AD. So. How do centuries work again? So is that about 300? 300 is the 4th century, yes? It was about then that the church began to get more centralised in Rome. And Christian groups started to celebrate Jesus' birthday. Because the Romans, of course, they totally did birthdays. But everybody picked a different date. In the East, it was January the 6th. That's my dad's birthday. I bet you're glad we didn't go with that one. In the West, it was December 25th. Some celebrated in March, some celebrated in April or May. Nobody picked September. The Emperor Constantine settled the date on, De on December 25th, stealing the date of another festival, Saturnalia, and made Christmas a formal national holiday. Now, some people, again, they get very cross about this. Oh, it's pagan, Saturnalia. You know what? I'd rather people remember Jesus this time of year than Saturnalia. So again, yeah, the date was stolen, but you know what? Another win. In the 11th century, we first get the word Christmas. A thousand years ago, but still only 50% of the time since Jesus was born. In the mid-19th century, Christmas, as we know it today, starts to take shape. In fact, most of the things we think of when we say tradition at Christmas, what we actually mean is Victorian. Singing carols on the streets, Victorian times. It's amazing when it comes to Christmas, how much is recent when it comes to traditions. And you know, if these things haven't been around since the birth of Jesus, guess what? We don't need to worry too much about getting them right. It's fine. Did you know at Christmas there's no command? There's no test? There's just tradition. And if we take Christmas as just tradition, I think we can enjoy it a lot more. When we strip away all of the traditions, all of the additions, when we remove every consumerist or pagan or added tradition to Christmas, what do we let get left with? Nothing. Nothing. Because the early church didn't do it. Now that doesn't make it wrong. It doesn't make it bad. Because here's the revelation to me. Since there's no command in the Bible to celebrate Christmas. It doesn't mean we shouldn't. It doesn't mean we can't. What it means this. Christmas should never feel like an obligation. It's a celebration. 
You don't have to do it, but we can choose to celebrate. Not out of duty, but because remembering the birth of our Saviour is a blessing. It's not a requirement. God is not going to judge you by how well your turkey is cooked tomorrow. Or how much of a success the day is. You don't need to have a checklist to make sure you hit every single thing right at Christmas. He is the best thing you can all do tomorrow. Enjoy the day. Enjoy the day. It's one of the few times of the year that the whole family gets together. I mean, we'll be doing it on Boxing Day rather than Christmas Day with my family. I've seen Amelia's mum on Christmas Day. You know what? It doesn't matter. It's fine. One day is just the same as another. The only rules at Christmas that we've added, uh, that we have, are the ones we've added. So it's okay. Make the most of this time for around two weeks. Everything slows down. How rare is that in life today? It's a huge rarity. So do you know what? Enjoy it. Enjoy the time. Make memories. Take pictures. And don't get too stressed. Because we only have the rules we've added. So you can choose what Christmas is like for your family. You can make your own tradition. If you absolutely point blank refuse on leaving the house, that's okay. If it's meeting with your family, that's good. If it's helping the hungry, wonderful. If it's having friends around instead of family, brill. There's no right way to do it. Is tradition bad? No, it's not. But it's been added, so neither is it mandatory. Should Jesus be at the centre? Absolutely. But you know what? He should be at the centre every single day. Of every meal. Of every happy time. The point isn't that Jesus was born on the 25th of December. The point is, Jesus was born. Humbly. With a mission to save us. The baby in a manger. Who became the miracle worker. Who became the man on the cross. Who is now the king of heaven. And our Lord. And our saviour. The son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. And you know what? That's brilliant. So I hope tomorrow, whatever else you do, you enjoy the day. You make memories. And remember, Christmas is a blessing, not an obligation. Let's pray. Father God, I just pray for every person here, every person watching online, that Lord, you'll bless them this Christmas. That Lord, you'll give them a wonderful time as we celebrate you, as we celebrate how humbly you came to earth. And Lord, I just pray. Every child, every adult, that they have a wonderful time over these next few days. And Lord, I just pray for blessing for everyone. Amen. Amen. Amen.